that was loud. Hi, I'm Jenny Connell, and Meg and I are so grateful uh, to be here tonight to share with you how God has been leading us in this new foster care ministry. To put it simply, God has placed a burden on my heart for the needs of vulnerable children. Looking back, I believe it began with the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. My home church growing up is Pelham First Baptist, and my family would often serve there. It was here that I remember seeing all of these children gathered in one group together in one room, and as a small child myself, thinking, where are their mamas, and why don't they just come get them? And I can remember asking my own mother that question. But things can seem so simple to a child. Why can't their mama just come get them? But as I matured, I began to see that it's not a simple thing and that so much more was at play. However, one thing is simple. These children are hurting and God can use me. So about eight years ago, my family became involved with Ukrainian orphans. We partnered with existing ministries and ultimately we worked to begin a new ministry that would help meet the needs of orphans in Ukraine while also hosting events here where they would come and spend time with families in Thomasville and Southwest Georgia. And it's amazing to look back and see that a number of those children were adopted by families in our area. I then began to see that there is a huge need right here in our own backyard, in our own town, in our own country. It's silent and it's invisible, but it affects so many. So I felt I needed to do something locally, so I became a CASA, that's a court-appointed special advocate, so that I could give foster children a voice in the courts. But I continued to feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to do more. So I recently attended a foster care information session, and I remember telling Clark, I don't really know why I need to go to that. I, I thought maybe it was to support Alex, my friend, because she organized it. But when I was there at that meeting, I learned that there is a thing called foster care ministries, and I learned how churches are being equipped to meet the needs of children and families in crisis. So I felt the Lord leading me to organize this effort and ministry here in Thomasville. And I approached Pastor Sean about that and volunteered to organize that here at Eastside if he felt led to do that. And it's amazing to see that God was also working in Meg's heart as well, independently, and we didn't even know that. And so I'm thankful for the Lord prompting me and leading me to this point, and I pray that through this ministry that we share with you tonight, that we can restore hope and bring light to a place of such brokenness. Those of you who, who don't know me, my name is Meg Herring. I have six children and a husband, Mark. Some of them are over here. Um, we joined this church September 11th, and we're new, but it doesn't feel like we're new. It feels like we've always been here. But I realize y'all don't know my story. So I'm going to tell just a little bit of it, and it will help explain the why of why I'm standing up here tonight. Um, it goes all the way back to 2012. During one of my quiet times, I was in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah 58, 6 and 7, I'm going to read those two verses. Um, this is God speaking. And he said, Is not this the fast <clears throat> that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness 
to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? I can remember today where I was sitting when I read that and the word China came to my brain. Didn't know what it meant. And then days and weeks came and the instructions were clearer and he let me know your child is in China. Now this made no sense. So that year we had uh, two-year-old twins, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old that I was homeschooling. Um, where would the money come from for an adoption like this? And every night I fell into bed exhausted. So, so this was not a possibility. Well, Isaiah 58 burned me and followed me around and wouldn't let me, let me, leave me alone. So finally, 2014 in November, we traveled to China and we were full of so much joy. We were meeting our eight-year-old son. Now we were advised before we went, don't have any expectations. I remember clearly well-intentioned uh, adoption mom, she said, if this is reality and these are your expectations, that's a long way to drop when reality doesn't meet your expectations. And I said, I don't have any expectations. I don't have any. Love is all this child needs. I, I've, I've got this. He just needs a safe home. He just needs plenty of food. Needs a loving family. Um, he needs Jesus. He's going to get all these things in our home expectations. Um, you fast forward the next three years from age 8 to 11, and I've really struggled with how much to share. I had two options. Do I keep the hurt that we experience, the fear, the incredible sadness? Do I keep that to myself? Because if I do, then I can protect my children. Um, I can protect myself and we can get on with life. But if I do share, it's been eight years, so if I do share the hurt and the fear and the incredible sadness that we've lived through, I now see that God can use that. He can see how the Spirit did not leave us like He promises, and He's a promise keeper, by the way. So this was my meager attempt. Okay, Lord, you told me to speak out, so I'll speak. So I don't know, I will never know what happened to our son the first eight years of his life. His name is John Mark. You may have seen him over Christmas holidays. He was visiting. Um, but our sweet home, our happy, happy home, it turned just into a tra traumatic atmosphere. This child didn't just have temper tantrums. He had, I can't think of a word stronger than rages. He still has rages. The walls of our house, the furniture, the air vents, they would take the beatings from his rages. And in, during this time, our family, our church family, a lot of our friends, um, they weren't there. I love these people. They're precious. I just think that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. 
They didn't know how to help. We were a mess. Um, it, it all looked very messy. And it felt like they just quietly slipped away. And I will share, because we've made amends now, but a very close family member saw one of these rages and looked at me and he said, you used to be such a good mother. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> so our biological children were now living in a home with constant screaming and raging and hurt and fear. Didn't have anybody to help us, but, but the Lord. The Lord, he opened it, he threw open a door. Um, he provided help for our son. So our son is now at a residential facility in Virginia. There are professionals there who are trained. They have a passion to work with children from traumatic backgrounds. So he's there, he's still there. He is receiving the help he needs. I still struggle with feeling like a failure as his mother. I don't know if that'll ever completely go away. But our God is a God of redemption and restoration um, because he unfolded another miraculous story. Did you see my little other Chinese adopted son running in and out the door over here, just as happy as he could be? So 2017, we adopted Joe from China. Um, we just marked the five years of him being a herring. He's the sweetest child. If you know him, he's sweet. He's happy. He loves his mama and daddy. He loves you kids too. He wants to help and serve as much as he can. So God cares. He, um, he has helped to bomb my hurt, hurtful heart. Um, but this is my why. This is why I'm standing up here because during those years, I spent more time locked away in my closet, listening to the screaming outside of my door. I didn't even pray with words, I was just crying. Uh, I did not feel like I was going to survive the refinement that I had to go through, but I saw him in that dark closet. Um, I'm excited to become involved in a ministry that helps these families who are on the front lines doing the hard work of foster care so we can come around instead of not knowing what to do we're going to be able to help you with some ideas of you could well Jenny will get into that in just a minute um, I don't want any more families to say yes and then feel like failures or have to back away and step back I don't want them to feel abandoned. Um, and I, I did, when I was writing all this out, it, the vision came to me that, that when the Israelites were victorious over their enemy, do you remember when Moses held up his hands, his arms, and his staff? And he didn't have the strength to do that alone. So only when Aaron and her helped him to do the hard work, he was able to continue. So we have the opportunity to be Aaron's and hers. And I'm going to start a video for you. Um, it's going to, it gives a glance of the reality 
in our world that are outside of the walls of this sweet church. Um, it's outside of the walls of our own homes that are safe and happy. And so, um, if you'll look up to the screen. defines me. This is who I am. I am unseen, unheard, unwanted. That is what I am, if even I am anything.
seemed like the same thing that held me up forced me down. And the world turned upside down and order disappeared. Nothing was how it was supposed to be. And a heavy sadness filled my soul. deeper I fell within myself. And nothing could draw me out. Trapped in the misery of my life. Lost in the sorrow of my soul. Unable to see the light. Unable to see the dawn. To feel. To hope. To dream. And I found the darkest days of my life kept coming. The blackest nights when my soul never stopped. It seemed like it was always nighttime and nightmares and never morning. And maybe you wonder why, but mostly you try not to think about it and try to get by and try to survive. And all the other stuff seems so much like nothing compared to just wanting the most important things back again. Like wishing you could see your mama smile again and hear her sing that one favorite song that always calms you down things were all messed up, or if you couldn't have her back, at least get to take care of your baby brother, because you know he needs you, and he's going to be so scared all alone, and who's going to hold his hand and whisper it'll be all right to him, and who will whisper it to me?
know I am helpless, dependent, desperate. But what happens when those you need the most threaten your very existence? I've heard plenty of promises, and they all sound the same. Push hard enough, and sooner or later, they all prove to be empty. The sun comes up every morning, but do you know where? Each place is somewhere different. It's hard to find east when you keep moving around. But at least it comes. It always comes. I've come to depend on that. And slowly, slowly seasons changed around me. And it seemed this time that maybe the world would not be pulled out from under me again. Feet safe, roots starting to grow. Little buds of hope forming. Slowly attempting to trust this new life. This my past, my history, my story, is not my fault. It's not because of me. It doesn't have to be what defines my future. I am lovable. I am worthy of care. 
makes all the difference. The glimmers of light give me hope that someday my summer will come. have some numbers for you. It is expected that in the year 2023, we're gonna have about 650,000 children come through the foster care system. And that number feels overwhelming. Down. But to narrow that number down a little bit, you'll see that right now there are more than 14,000 children in the foster care system in Georgia. And I have a few more numbers to talk about just Thomas County, so we can narrow those numbers down a little bit more. Um, you saw in the video how they split the brother and the sister up. That, that's very common. That happens a lot. Can you imagine your children being separated into different homes? Um, so there are statistics from the Division of Children and Family Services. That's what DFAC stands for here in Thomas County. Right now, there are 10 foster homes. There are two kinship caregivers, and what that means is sometimes when a child is taken out of a home, they look around and they try to find the nearest of kin who can take care of that child so that they don't have to be placed in a stranger's home. Right now, two families are able to do that. If there are no kinship caregivers, then a child either goes to a foster care home or to another county to a foster care home or across the state, wherever one can be found. And remember, we have 10 in 10 families uh, in Thomas County right now. Just in Thomas, Thomasville, there are 48 children. This number was current as of December 28th. Um, it changes every day. And this number, this one bothers me, especially, because these children, their, their parents' rights have been terminated. They've gone through years and years of the court system. The parents have given, been given every opportunity to make some changes and make their home safe. But their rights have been terminated. They're free for adoption. And nobody to adopt them. So they're just, they're just available. They're just needing a home.
So through no fault of their own, the kids end up in foster care because of these three things, neglect, abuse, abandonment. As you saw in the video, that, that little girl and that baby, they, they didn't do anything wrong. They were, they were born, pretty much. But no matter why these kids come into care, just them being removed from their parents, that's trauma. They have experienced trauma. The goal of foster care is to keep these kids safe. And on average, about 60% of them will return to their biological home. That's the goal, reunification. And here's the exciting part. If churches work together, we can be part of the solution because we're poised to serve foster children and the families. So think about in our church when someone gets sick or if there's a death in the family or a brand new baby is born, don't we know how to wrap our arms around that family and help? So we know how to love each other. And Jenny and I, Jenny and I have learned there is, um, there's a model that teaches our churches how to serve and support foster families. So when you don't know what to do and you don't know how to help that family, ah, it's in place. Here's what you can do. Wouldn't it be awesome if the church solved this foster care problem and God received all the glory? Not the government, but God. So Jenny's going to come up and she's going to describe some next steps that we can take to be part of the solution So if God has uh, stirred your heart to learn more about fostering, or if you feel that God is calling you to be a foster family, we can help connect you to local agencies and the training needed to begin that process. But not everyone is called to foster, but we can all do something to support vulnerable children. Even small things together make a huge impact. So big or little, we can all do something. So even if we aren't called to foster, we can support and care for those families that are called to foster. That's where the care community comes in. You can serve and meet the needs of foster families by joining a care community that wraps around and supports foster families. Well-supported foster families are the key to growing the number of foster homes in Georgia. Fostering is hard and families need to know that they are not alone. I believe many of you are like me, and you want to help vulnerable children. You just may not know how. But with this model, it is easy to get plugged in and find ways to serve and to help those families. So the roles that you can play in a care community fall into four main areas, and those are the big puzzle pieces that are of the home in the image behind me. So first, there are family helpers. These are people who commit to bring a meal just once a month. Uh, they could help with laundry. They could help run errands. They could do yard work for the family. Lots of ways to help the family as a whole. And this frees up time for the parents to then spend more time with the children. Um, another area is a child mentor. These volunteers work with the children, and so they could provide childcare. 
They could babysit. They could provide transportation for the children for appointments or to activities. And they can even help with tutoring. And then there is the team leader. This is the key person who acts as a liaison between the foster family and the team members who are serving that family. They communicate needs and prayer requests on a regular basis to the rest of the team. They could help coordinate the volunteers and they would help with scheduling the meal rotation. And then lastly, there is interim caregiver. So these volunteers could help with overnight care of the children, even um, for the weekend. Um, and respite care is also a possibility. So most care communities are comprised of at least four to eight committed volunteers who serve the foster family for at least one year. All volunteers will need to attend a one-hour orientation. And orientation is required because this is more than just preparing a meal and dropping it off at a home. We will be entering the world of foster care along with the confidentiality and the special nuances of those children's lives. And so our goal for this ministry is to launch one care community to serve one foster family and to do it well. And we're excited to see how God grows this ministry this year, possibly adding more foster families to serve and in the coming years as well. And next I'll show a short video that um, will represent how a care community works and how it supports foster families. We're excited to show how meaningful it can be for your family to be supported by a care community. After launching more than 300 care communities, we know that well-supported foster families foster longer and stronger. In America today, more than 50% of new foster families do not foster beyond the first year. When families are supported by care communities, the number of families that foster for at least two years goes up to 90%. A care community is a team of about four to eight members that are there to pray for you and serve you for at least a year. Ideally, the care community has at least four members that are family helpers that assist with the practical needs of the family. These volunteers agree on bringing a meal on the night of your choice. So if you choose Tuesdays, a different person on the team will bring you a different meal. This adds up to four or even five meals every month. Family helpers also help with other needs that you may have, like laundry, yard work. A care community also functions best with at least two volunteers serving the role as child mentor. And this gives you an opportunity to even have a date night. The best part is those date nights when they take the time to, to watch your child so you guys can just have a night off and, and just really enjoy each other. They will also try to be available one extra time a month so that you can plan important appointments or even go to the gym. You, as the foster parent, will always have the final say as to who can serve your family. The team leader will be a liaison between you as a foster parent and your care community team. The team leader will call you on a weekly basis to discuss your weekly needs and this person will be in charge of updating the care community calendar online. The team leader will also email the entire team notifying them of your prayer requests and praise reports. We look forward to serving your family. We pray that you feel supported and loved through your journey. And thank you again.
So each church that begins a foster care ministry is encouraged to create a unique name and logo for the ministry. And so you may have seen this, this name around. So Meg and I prayed about this and talked about this over the past couple of months and discussed it with Pastor Sean and Pastor Bill. And as we read scripture relating to God's love and care for the fatherless, we kept seeing these words repeated, defend, give justice, protect, and uphold. So we chose defend 82.3 as the ministry name, with Psalm 82.3 as the foundational scripture. Psalm 82.3 says, defend the poor and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy. So by mobilizing the church and meeting the needs of children and families in our own town, we can take this brokenness and restore hope. We can live out God's call to defend the fatherless and the weak. There is a movement across the United States where churches are rising up to solve the foster care crisis, and we are so grateful to be the first church in Thomas County, and we pray that more churches will join us. At the beginning of the removed video, you heard the tiny voice of a vulnerable child saying that she is unseen, unheard, and unwanted. And our prayer is that these children are seen, that they are heard, that they are wanted, and they're loved in Jesus' name. You want to do Q&A after this? So, okay. I don't think I can get up and say good stuff after that, but um, anything, anytime God stirs my heart, I think it's good. And uh, I, know, I know yours has been stirred tonight. I really appreciate these ladies and their, their burden for this. And <clears throat> so one thing I've learned as a pastor is it is really wise to find people who are already doing things well and to partner with them. You know, assuming there's not some huge sin issue or something going on that we need to separate from, but people that are doing a good work rather than reinvent the wheel because we have to be at the front of everything, just join with them. And um, I know we've gotten some training from Promise 686, which is kind of a nationwide program involved with this. Um, we are, here's what we're looking to do, okay? As, as Jenny said, in, in this year, to start one care team, four to eight people, and to be consistent and to do it well. And we'll go from there. We'll see what the Lord, I mean, that's just step number one. Uh, we're not asking anybody to foster, although if God's telling you to, you should. We're not asking anybody really to do anything other than what God is telling you to do. But here is a needy ministry, here is a needy field, a forgotten field, and don't, don't do this because we're the first church in Thomas County, um, although that's a little surprising to me, actually. Do this because God tells you to. And I hope you'll pray about it. Here we are behind me is a QR code. In two weeks, we're, we want you to pray about this for the next two weeks. Am I correct about that? Right? Okay. And so is this QR code to register for that orientation? Is that Okay. So we're going to take some questions here in just a second to the three ladies and to Alex, who's here as well, I can give you some um, informed advice on this. I am at the front, first step of this. Well, maybe step two or three. 
um, just because I've been part of the organizing of it. But we're just asking you to pray about it, and if you feel God leading at all, um, scan this QR code, talk to Jenny, talk to Meg. In two weeks, we're going to have an orientation. So that's at 4.30 here in the fellowship hall before a Sunday night service. And by doing that, you're saying, I'm interested in being involved. You may not even know what it is, and that's fine. Do they need to know what it is? They don't need to know. Yeah. I mean, just, they just want to be involved. You want to learn. Okay, some of this takes some training. I mean, you're stepping into, this goes beyond SOS on the weekend, passing out a few tracks. You're getting into the, the nitty-gritty of someone who has been broken. There's no fault of their own. And you want to be involved in being used of God to heal. And uh, that's what he's interested in, is he not? When we read that passage this morning in Matthew 18, by the way, I didn't pick that. God just planned all of that. That, uh, you know, if you offend a child, Jesus said, if you offend a child, it's better for you to go ahead and, go ahead and just grow, go grab a giant millstone, tie your neck to it, throw yourself in the deepest part of the ocean. That's, that's how he feels. You'd be better off doing that than offend a child, cause a, cause a child to stumble. Cause a child who would believe in me to doubt who I am, to doubt God's goodness. We need to be involved in this. We do. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But this is a pretty good model that the ladies have laid out here. And I think it's, it's been tried and true, already used, and uh, I think we should get involved. I'm going to get involved, and I know some of you are as well. Two weeks. We scan that code, or we see Jenny down here, and she'll get us... Uh, registered for the orientation in, in two weeks. And is that all you need me to say? We're going to do a question and answer this time, right? Okay. So I think it would be good. Um, we're going to have, Pastor Bo, we had some mics ready, right? We did. Okay. So why don't you two ladies, if you don't mind, actually, can I put you on the spot? Alex, can you come up here too? You guys can just share this microphone. Whoever's going to answer can step to the microphone. And I'd love to hear some questions. Okay, we're going to have microphones throughout the auditorium. If they don't ask one right away, I will, okay? So. so we got guys passing microphones around. Who's got a question um, for them? I have a question. So how would we find this family? How would we end up with this family for our first family for the care team to minister to? Um, I forgot initiative can definitely help with that. We have a little network. Can you do the microphone? As well as the microphone. There you go. I'm with the Forgotten Initiative, and we would kind of act as a liaison between the church and DFACS, as well as um, there's Camp Rock and there's NECO that are private agencies in the area. So there are a handful of extra um, foster families. So at the moment, these foster families aren't aware that the church is stepping up in this way. So, um, you know, we get this care team together and we have probably 10 to 15 local families. I know of a few personally that have just began fostering. Um, and when I tell you it's a need, it is such a need. Um, you know, I think they said there was 30-ish families, 30-ish foster kids from Thomas County, but what was it, only 13 here? 10, 20, 20 or so kids had to leave Thomasville. Um, and so the foster families we have, we desperately want to keep. And so I, I, I feel that these families will be happy to, you know, have any type of assistance. I know a few personally that, um, you know, they just, they kind of have stories like Meg where, you know, they think it's going to be rosy and 
perfect and they, they get into the nitty gritty and the day in and the day out and those little things become big things and just having that support group um, is just major. So I know that's more than what you asked, but <laughs> there's, there's plenty of connections that we can get, um, get y'all established with a care community or with a foster family um, if we don't have one within the church. And hopefully more, more churches step up and then as it grows in Thomasville, you can definitely play matchmaker from church to church that where some have more foster families but do not have the communities, you know, so we can kind of pair them together that way. Just going to take the next step. I mean, in my mind, I have some ideas of where this is going to go, um, but I'm not God. We're just going to take the next step, okay? And I mean, I, I see a real unique opportunity for us not just to be a caring group around a family, but all of a sudden now you're hands and feet, hands on ministering to a specific family. And then if God allows, you're ministering in the re, uh, rejoining of that family, uh, of, an, of another family within that whole group as well. And is that not what the gospel is all about, redemption and restoration? You know, it's not just giving them a track and hope you read it and hope you get saved. It's being used as a tool um, to bring families back to God, to bring children back to God, and to make that family, with God's help, a viable unit again, a healthy unit. And that's, that's where I, I see this going, just in a small spot. Anybody have a, a question to ask? Pastor Bill. You had mentioned that 60% of foster, or foster children end up re, re reunifying with the family, or somewhere near that number. Do you know how long, so as we're, as we're wrapping around foster families, how long do they, what's an average stay of a foster child in a foster home, or is there an average stay with only 10 families? I imagine they stay very, very busy, um, but I'm just curious if there's an average length of time for a foster family, or... I would think that it's eight months to 12 or 18 months. Um, it can go, you know, years, two or three years. Um, but it, it's a while. I would say eight to 12 months, maybe average, but, um, yeah. But if someone commits to, um, to being a care community around a foster family and we commit to that for one year, at that point we would check back in with that family. And if that placement is still is still there, the volunteers can say, yes, I would like to carry on, or if they need to roll off for a reason, then we could bring on a new um, member of that team. In the middle of the night, can you know, there's a, a family or a couple of kids that need something right then that can only last for, say, a few days until there's another stage in which they go to another foster family. Is that true? Is that something that goes on? Um, yes, that would be respite. Um, and you could sign up to be a respite foster family where you just take children um, in emergency situations or until they can find a placement. So until they can find a home, you know, outside of. Thomasville, and so you can also, um, I forget what the model called it, but you can assist a family, I think, up to 48, 72 hours, so 
um, if you are on a care community, you can have a child um, for the weekend um, without having to go through the respite with the state. Um, but you can also begin with respite, um, you know, to keep them more short, short term, a week or two or a few days, whatever. So that's you know, an opportunity family. for us as well as we keep right. yes. growing to maybe have some respite families here at this church. That's right. Yes, you can. That's, um, you know, you'll go through the impact classes and the trainings and the background checks, um, but you can definitely, definitely do that. If you wanted to be a mentor to a child, would you have to take like extra training to be able to be with the children or they just do a background check and they... bossing this kid who didn't want to be bossed. So to have somebody else to help with that is helpful. You can take them out for ice cream. Just spend time with them. Also, the biological kids in these families need to be noticed because a lot of the attention will go to the foster child and the biological children are thrown to the side and they feel like nothing. So um, there's a need there too for volunteers. child maybe might be experiencing obviously in different areas can you turn that around and we've all seen the burden here but why do we need to care for a family that has a foster family what can you give us a picture into that world maybe Meg if you're willing a little bit um, just tell us I mean what are we what are we supplying to them that, that they really need what is a foster care on a day-to-day -day basis or a week-to-week -week basis why does that create more needs than maybe just the average family like we have here? Just a brief, brief. <laughs> it feels like you can't leave the walls of your home. Uh, you, if you go out in public, you're going to have a tantrum. Uh, so you feel very closed in. You feel very cut off from the world. It feels like nobody cares. You feel like you're the only one doing God's work and that there were times I felt punished, and everybody else is getting to go on date nights with their husband, and their biological kids are happy and healthy, and um, it just it feels like you're ignored. And even, goodness, just a friend lately just said, how was your week over Christmas, and really cared. And you know, I can't tell you how much that meant, just that somebody noticed that that could have been a hard week. So if I could have had help, I mean, yes, we had money for groceries, but if somebody could make one meal and bring it in, then I don't have to try to cook the dinner while I'm dealing with disagreements and rages over here, and then I don't have to leave my dishes out because this child is destroying the wall over there. I can actually be a mother and form a relationship with this child. So I hope that sure. maybe answers a little bit. Yeah, amen. Questions? I knew we had more hands. Little Larry's right there. Hey, yeah, I'm just trying to understand. I, I 
I feel like I get the concept. I'm just making sure of the foster care in general. So I'm, I'm familiar with the hearings and your situation, which to me seems permanent. But if the average stay is eight months, is, it, is the foster system we're talking about or what we're discussing more of a rehab where you would have the children temporarily until their family goes to a rehab center? Or are we talking about different types of foster parents or is all this group been to, I'm not super familiar with the foster system other than more of a permanent system. I think that when the child comes into your home as a foster parent, you treat them as if they are a precious child and part of your family. So in other words, you make it as permanent as you, you love them while they're there. So you do everything, it feels permanent. You want it to feel permanent for the child so they can have security. Um, and I'm learning about the foster care system too. I've, I've learned from two of my sisters and um, I don't have all the answers yet, but I see what you mean by the, I think, I think when you're in the throes of it, it feels very permanent. And that day to day, it's never gonna get better. So that's they, another reason to wrap around. They the start with the, excuse me, they start with reunification being, they start with reunification being the main part of it. You wanna reunify the family. So I mean, everybody's, aligned with that at first. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. But. Right, so Meg's situation, so she adopted her boy, so that is a permanent situation. So she just went through adoption. The foster care system is different in that children are removed from the home when there uh, is neglect, abandonment, or abuse. And the goal is reunification, is to give those parents every opportunity to go through therapy, to have counseling, um, to get resources that are available through churches or other government organizations. And so the goal is for them to have a plan in place with their social worker to get that child back with them when it's safe. Um, but that is not always the case. And that is when the rights of the parent can be terminated and then that child would, would be available for adoption in a home where that would be permanent. But the goal is when they're placed in that foster home, it could just be eight months and then their family gets things sorted out, they get the resources and the help they needed, and that child goes back with their biological family. And sometimes it could be two years or three years, or so the timing is just different for every child. Another question? Oh, yes, a couple over here. When they go back to their home, does that uh, relationship, is it automatically terminated? I think that depends on the biological family. Um, and each situation would be different there. Um, there are times that there is an ongoing you know, relationship and a great relationship um, for, for a long time. And then there are others that are cut off, yes. So you mentioned about the respite care, like maybe overnight or weekends or whatever. How long does it take to get um, to the point where you're able to do that as far as training or whatever goes? Um, it, it's different through different agencies. I, we're going through the process right now um, with Camp Rock, and they are out of Valdosta. Um, they're a Christian-based agency, and I'm thinking they're four to five months max. Um, 
it's just according to how quick you personally get the paperwork done and everything and the background checks and um, you know there's doctor's appointments and <laughs> everything but they can it's pretty quick If it's um, short term, um, where it's not respite care for over a week or so, but if it's just for one night or even two nights, the foster family through the state of Georgia, they are given, um, they're recognized as being able to decide that if it's best for their child, for the foster child. So if they have someone that can watch them for a weekend while they go out of town, or um, they can do that without any notification to DFACS. That could be up to the foster parent to do that. But after 48 hours, then they would have to get DFACS approval. Once a child has been re reunited to his family, what is the percentage of a child returning back to foster care? Do you know? I've read that somewhere, but I don't know. I'm sure that number is listed somewhere so we can get that and let you know. I'm pretty sure they said it was over 50, wasn't it? I mean, it's up there. The, the number that return, it, it's high. They said it at the meeting. I can't remember exactly, but it was definitely up there. Yeah, they keep returning to foster care. Yeah. Anybody else? I want to give you an opportunity. Okay, thank you, ladies. So, two weeks. There's a QR code right there. If you can't get that to work for whatever reason, see Miss Jenny. She's kind of um, putting all this together for us. She's, uh, administration is her gift, so she's administrating very well. I'm glad for that. But either of these ladies, uh, let them know, and of course you can talk to Alex. She's been very helpful to us as well. And uh, we're gonna do something. I don't know what it's going to be. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed. And I would ask you to keep, just keep moving forward. Take this home to the Lord. Pray about it. And make the decision God wants you to make, whatever it is. And he'll be pleased with that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you've been so good to meet with us once again. I'm just so amazed, Lord, that you'd want to be this involved in our lives, Lord that you would allow us the privilege to be your hands and feet on this earth. Lord, that you would save us, you would pull us out of a life that could very possibly be just like what we saw in the video. Lord, a life that's ruined by sin. But Father, you're very interested in redeeming those lives, just like you were ours. Tonight, Lord, allow us to see the next step. We'll follow, we'll obey. So thankful, Lord, that you put us in this assembly, made us a part of this, uh, if I could say it, Lord, this infantry unit, this army. Lord, we want to march together. We want to do your bidding. We want to take on the hard battles. We want to bring you much glory. In your name I ask, amen.